0: Hello listeners, it's episode 36 of Playing It Wrong, coming to you live. Well, not really live, but I'm recording, and I'm recording a little late because it's been a crazy weekend, and we've got our live studio audience of two dogs who are somewhere between napping and frolicking. Not sure what they're going to do. Anyway, yeah, ah, yeah, we're late getting this episode out because it's been a long weekend. I'm off today, which is, well, Monday, October 22nd, and all weekend was cleaning out the garage, and I found all sorts of old goodies, and I and was cleaning out the garage. I found some old second edition D&D stuff. I found my old Shadowrun stuff, I found my old Call of Cthulhu stuff, the old Hero system before it turned into a phone book. Um, Justice Inc and Ninja International were some of my old favorites. But anyway, in this episode what we got coming up, we're going to have the usual things. We've got some readings from the Holy Tomes. We've got the the big meat of the episode, excuse me, the big meat of this episode is we're going to be talking about RuneQuest. And of course, as always, we've got some call-ins. First up, we've got Larry Hamilton from Follow Me and Die. Listen to his podcast, it's really good. And follow him on Instagram and all the other social media outlets, and he's even got a Patreon. And here's Larry. Hey Chuck, this is Larry with Follow Me and Die. Good episode on uh, the dice and so forth, as far as my favorite dice... Uh, game science, hands down. They roll fair, and uh, you don't get those quote-unquote hot dice that always roll crits. So uh, if it's not a balanced die that gives you whatever number under the sun, that that takes a lot of the fun out of it. If you can never hit or always hit the two extremes, neither one is fun after a while. So good episode. Keep it up. Thank you, Larry. You know, I had a set of purple dice a long time ago that I, I'd used for quite a while, and well, without much success. And finally, after a long string of dead Pathfinder characters, I got some new dice. The first thing I went through was, or went to, was uh, Game Science, and I've still got like I think four sets of them. But oh man, my problem with those are they don't roll. They just like. Land on the table, so you gotta kind of flip them in the air. Um, but they are good dice, but I just don't like as much as my role for initiatives. Um, and over time, uh, since using them the last I don't know, most of this year, they seem to be have a good uh, spread of randomness, at least both as I'm playing and as I'm uh, game mastering. So, but hey, use whatever dice you like, and you know, yeah. The hot or cold dice, yeah, don't like those at all. And you can kind of tell when somebody's got a a die that's a bit off; it'll really screw the curve. And it's it's no fun to succeed or win all the time. And next up for call-ins, well, we have the man, the glue that binds the OSR anchorites together. Everyone's number one fan, Mr. Colin Green. Good evening, Mr. Foreign. It is. Mr. Green from Spike Pit calling in regarding Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells. I would be most interested to know why you like it. I love it, but why do you like it? And why should people play it over all their other favourite games? You've um, been talking recently about your house rules. Um, It sounds like you're in a similar situation to me. I've got all my stuff it's all getting pretty much mashed together into one big pile of osr and role-playing goodness i cannot see the wood for the trees i cannot separate one system from another um which is just as well because when i try and play one system i end up playing another anyway so if i chuck it all together uh i don't think i can go wrong really but yeah your thoughts Thank you, Colin. In a way you've got a twofer here. So you got two questions or two statements. Um, first let's talk about OSR stuff and like house ruling and kit bashing and I love that. And uh much of uh what I do is kinda like that. I like bringing in all that stuff to sort of make the game, well, my own unique brand of craziness. And, you know, also listen a lot, like I say in earlier episodes of what the players like. If something doesn't work, yeah, it gets thrown to the side. Now, sharp swords and sinister spells. This is going to be a longer rant. <laughs> first, let me say a little about my my history with sharp swords and sinister spells. Now, I, I did look at the first edition of Black Hack, and it just didn't gel too much in my head. I didn't, wasn't that excited. Don't dislike it. Don't like it. It's just kind of meh. But later on, I started messing around and looking for some ideas for uh, more sword and sorcery type games. See what else is out there. And of course, there's Barbarians of Lemuria is, is always the big one. But I wanted something a little different, something a little more D20 based, which I know some of you am thinking, right, so thinking something right now, I'll get to it. <coughs> and I came across it, and I read through the rules, and so once again, didn't quite rock it then. Went back later on, re reread them again, a little light went on. And for me, it's a really good game if you want to do pulp weird fantasy. Uh, I, I love the way that the magic is somewhat similar to dungeon crawl classics where you don't have a number of spells per day, but if you blow a spell, bad things can happen. Um, I like how the fu- it's skillless, but... There's an attribute check for everything, and you can get better roles based on your uh, character concept. So there's no real skill system, so it's OSR-ish, it's rules-light-ish, but not to the point where it's kind of bland. And it just fit very well with my idea of that pulp weird fantasy now I said somebody's gonna be thinking like since I said D20 of another game and I'm gonna say this is my number two and it's another game I really really love and that's Crips and Things by D101 Games and it's by Colin your countryman Newt Newport I don't know where in the UK he lives I just know it's somewhere now Crips and Things is a Swords of wizardry variant and personally I like the original version rather than the remastered version I have both and well just look it up. It's very much also weird fantasy, but still has a lot of the fingerprints of regular OSR D&D. Anyway, back 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 to Swords of Wizardry. All right, uh, not Swords. <laughs> sorry, sharp swords and sinister spells. It's that rules light. It's the accessibility also for the players because the PDFs are pay what you want. And even if you don't play the game, one of the reasons I fell in love with it, especially the addendum. And if you're hearing this for the first time, you've never looked at the addendum get at least the sor- Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells addendum because there's lots of cool charts you can use no matter what game you're running. And another thing that I really like about it, and it's something that I don't like, especially in 3rd edition D&D, and it's not as bad as 5th, but it's still pretty bad compared to the OSR, is Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells has very easy monster stat blocks for the GM to use. Not this mess that was uh, in 3rd edition and to some extent, fifth. I mean, the monster blocks are still a pain compared to old school games, but not as bad as third edition. Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells has really simple, simple monster stat blocks. Hit, die, special ability. That's it. That's all you need. you got their hit points but they need to hit the player characters or affect them with a spell or an ability, and that's it. So that's that's my basic spiel on sharp swords and sinister spells, and well, here's here it is in summary. At least my opinion in summary. So I know your mileage may vary, but for me, it is the great game if you want to do Conan or Elric, Fafhrd and the Gray Mouser. You want that little bit of dark grittiness without going full on Lamentations of the Flame Princess. You want a little bit of that swinginess from DCC without pages and pages of tables and charts. If you want a rules-like game that's easily accessible for the players to pick up, if they just want to pick up the PDF, the rules are not that hard. It's easy for the players to pick them up and understand them. It's a good game. It's a great game. If you want something that feels like your, dare I say, vanilla D&D world, then not so much. There are no clerics. Uh, between the addendum and the core book there are only two healing spells one is called transfer life yeah it does, what it says it does, you suck out the life of one thing put it in the other one and the other one just heals the caster and it's called cannibalize yeah you can figure out what that one does too so there it is quick, easy, fun light, but not too light sharp swords and sinister spells, yeah it's a good game to get if you haven't gotten it yet and like I said Go to RPG Now or DriveThru, whichever you prefer. They're the same company. And the PDFs are pay what you want. And now, on to the meat of this episode. Well, over the past week, I spent too much money. I supported my local gaming store and got in a copy of the new RuneQuest role-playing Glorantha RPG. Okay, now, first, I'm going to start first with a little minor, uh, well, some people might call it minor. I think it's... Okay, it's a complaint. Um, Chaosium does have the PDF on sale on their site for like $27. And If you order the PDF, you get that $27 off the purchase of the uh, core book from them, which is pretty crappy if you want to try to support your friendly neighborhood uh, gaming store. And that's my opinion on that. I know it's tough competition between Amazon and the publishers who are selling directly to... Uh, us but uh, that's kind of a cheesy thing kind of expensive for a PDF then giving a deep discount on the book Uh, not too cool not too cool Chaosium anyway let's get on to the actual book itself first off it is a beautiful book it has got some awesome freaking maps it's got great evocative artwork it is a long book it is let me see here it is calling back, okay, we got some ads in the back, 445 pages to the end of the index, plus some um, ads, okay, so, like I said, it is beautiful, it is okay laid out, it's got a small conversion from earlier editions, character sheets, most of the usual things that you would see. Now, let's talk about the game and the system a little bit. And a little bit of the history. Okay, first of all, RuneQuest. It was pretty much the original game that kind of led to the basic role-playing that Chaosium uses that is actually most famous for Call of Cthulhu. So it's basically the same system as Call of Cthulhu with percentages for skills and so on. Basically. There are some differences. I'm not going to go into every one, but there's some basic differences. With that being said, let's talk about Glorantha just a wee bit. Glorantha is their built-in setting. It is a Bronze Age setting. It is very mythic. The gods and divine magic play in to every character. Every character can cast magic. That's right. It's just another skill. Everybody gets magic. So there there are no classes and so forth. There are races I'm gonna get into that a little bit. Okay, so we've got the it's a pretty book, it's got basically what the rules are, and we got the basic idea what the world's like. Let's dig in a little deeper here. Now, like most books, it starts off with an introduction and stuff, blah, 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 and they start with a little overview of the world. Now, there's one thing I gotta find here. There are two concepts that they put out in box text that are very important, and I believe fully in. First is maximum gain fun. Basically, as I keep saying, roll dice and have fun. The other one is, i got to find here, is your Glorantha may vary. There's a box somewhere. I don't know how to find it. But basically, that even though they've got this world, it's go ahead and make it your own which also I like now they go through the first section they don't start out with character generation they start off really with a l- overview of the world and a, just a general feel which is fine which you kind of need because when they start up in character generation which let me see it starts on page 23 and it goes to hang on I'm still flipping pages here Uh, Okay, that includes the pre-gens. Including pre-gens, which I'm still going, goes to about page 97. A lot of pages for character generation. So, here's my first problem. Like I said before, if you haven't played RuneQuest, it's the same system as Call of Cthulhu. And if you've played Call of Cthulhu, you know how deadly it can be. Well, it can be just as deadly in RuneQuest, even if everybody has magic. It's still deadly. And I just told you how many pages it is for character generations. And I'm going to go into detail a little more on the steps here. But there's a lot of steps and very long uh, character generation. Which, in my humble opinion, breaks one of my tenets of good game design, wherein... Character lifespan should be inversely proportional to the amount of time it takes you to make a character. So, if you've got something like Dungeon Crawl Classics where they drop like flies, you should be able to quickly roll up a character. It's okay to take longer to roll up a character if the character's not going to die in the first combat, which could conceivably happen easily in RuneQuest. Let me go over this character generation a little more. It starts off, and it also assumes that the player... Has had the time to fully read the book and understand the setting, of starting off with your homeland, and then it's got a whole section which takes up a whole bunch of generating your family history. For me, this is reminiscent of Pendragon in a way, without with but with NPCs rather than having your children. Then a change they've made from um, well, let me put this. I skipped lots of editions of of RuneQuest, and I've got my second edition book here that I'm going to compare to in a minute but they've changed a the little thing with rune affiliations where you can use runes just to enhance skills as well as um, in connection with spellcasting. So of choosing your runes. Then after, I guess, looking back here, I think it's, like I said, it started on 23. Yeah, after um, 30 pages, you finally roll stats. And they're the usual stats if you're used to the basic fantasy system. If you're not, it's strength, size, constitution, charisma, intelligence, power, I think I forgot something, I don't know. Anyway, they're very similar to D&D on a 3 to 18 scale. And it goes in and then go building with your base skills and occupation that gets you more points for specific skills and also where your homeland was. And let me go on. And then it starts talking about what is this? Let me turn the page. Uh, which cult you belong to so yes there are lots of religion and it plays a key role, but nobody evangelizes and you can even be more than one cult, which is kind of interesting because there's no real alignments it's all driven by the runes and your affinity to the different elements and forces of the universe Alrighty. okay up after let's see we've got another section on what is this yeah I'm just moving on going through the book here sort of like my unboxing did. Um, more on the homelands and where you're from, more maps, which are beautiful maps, and more about the campaign setting. Then we start on the whole section of skills. Like I said, there are tons of skills, almost too many, but it kind of balances out in a way. There's a lot of skills that people won't like have at all that won't make any difference. So that's the whole skills section which is only, well, let me look at it here, uh, 163 to 189. So, skills. And also it's got the, the trick for augmenting skills by using one skill to help improve another one. But, if, just like the runes, if you screw it up, you actually take a penalty rather than getting a bonus. Then we have our combat section. Notice I haven't gotten to equipment yet. And RuneQuest routinely uses fumbles. If you know one of the old jokes from way, way back when, is in a large battle, there's a good chance that some of the soldiers will cut off their arms, legs, or heads, which you could conceivably do because it does use hit locations and armor, covering uh, specific locations. All right. Yes, I know this is a rambly review and we're going on, but we're going to continue on here. I'm going to go faster. Uh, Next, we go up into Runes reputation more styles of magic more magic more magic of course it has um, a brief thing for uh, sorcery spirit magic and being a shaman going further on what we got here we've got ideas for adventures how to level up some extra tools and equipment I think retinues markets what do we got here? And then we've got us the character sheets. The basic character sheet with the very minimum you need is two pages, fr- or one page front and back. That doesn't count if you are throwing in the family adventure and a family worksheet, and also as a worksheet if you want to mess around with while well, you have holdings and land and harvests and mess with all that stuff. Once again, I think that's sort of like Pendragon, and the conversion guide. And the index. And we're at the end of the book. The, the how many pages again to the end of the index? 445 page book. Like I said, it's beautiful. And the system? There's some good updates. But, I have my second edition one here. It's 120 pages. You notice I didn't mention anything about monsters? Well, because there are none. So in a bunch of ways uh, role playing Glorantha is a player's handbook. No monsters. However, my second edition book at 120 pages has not only the character backgrounds and the rules, everything else, it has the bestiary and the non human races. I mean, if you have not played RuneQuest before, what's RuneQuest without ducks? You gotta have ducks. Just go ahead and look it up. Trust me on it. No dwarves, no dragon newts, none of the non human races, and like I said, no monsters. So it's very much just a player's handbook at 445 pages. I think the extra pages came in really with the uh, all the explanations of the background and the world and the extra work they did in creating the character histories and backgrounds and all that sort of thing. But, like I said, it's a very involved character generation concept, and I played this game, and I know how quick a character can die. Alright, so with all that being said, with the stuff about... The PDF and kinda screwing your FLGS. Um, the long character generation and the complete total lack of a bestiary. Would I recommend it? Yeah, if you like Glorantha, yeah, buy it. If you want to play a game that's fantasy but not D centric or feels like it's part of D, oh yeah, it's there. Am I gonna run it? Probably I'm gonna have to convince my char- my characters <laughs> my players. I'm I don't view my players as people. I view them as just characters in my big story. No, that's bullshit. I don't do that. You know, so yeah, it's it's there. It's 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 a solid game. It's got a lot of the feel of the original of or the original of the earlier editions and some updates to mechanics. Like I said, I I pretty much skipped over the other editions of RuneQuest, uh, you know, I've just done second edition, and then skipped over the third, fourth, and God, I, don't know, I don't know how many, but this still comes out to be what I feel is a solid game for something different that could be a long-lasting campaign, and knowing my weird sense of imagination, I would probably start dragging in th- some Cthulhu monsters because it's the same system, and uh, I know, I'll admit it. I will end up simplifying the character generation just so it doesn't take so long because I really know how fast these characters can die. (laughs) So if you are still skeptical, go ahead. The uh, PDF of the quick start is free. You can find it on Chaosium's website. You can find it on DriveThru and RPG Now. Go ahead and check it out. Check out some of the third-party stuff from the earlier days of the RuneQuest when it had an open license and enjoy. Alright, guess what we're moving on to next, because this is going to be a really long episode. It's reading from the holy tomes. Yeah, I'm not putting in the special effect on this, because this is already being a really long episode. Alright, for this episode, we're still sticking with uh, volume one of the little black books, Men and Magic. This time, we're going to page number five. It's right in the middle there. Number of players. At least one referee, and from four to 250 players can be handled in any single campaign, but the referee-to-player ratio should be about to 1 to 20 or thereabouts. 1 to 20? Okay, I don't know about you, when you hit beyond 6, and 6 can be tough, things get really, really, really crazy. Yes, little girl, I see you. You're right there. Somebody wants attention. Anyway, It gets crazy. Um, especially in later editions. Uh, We had a Pathfinder game where we had about, I think, eight players. Yeah, people would go make a sandwich between their actions and combat rounds. We had one guy that actually fell asleep on the couch waiting for his turn to show up. So, yeah, 1 to 20, up to 50. Even with an OSR clone, it's, that is just crazy. Uh, That's one of those things from the original tomes that makes, it's, really harkens back to the war game roots of everybody is playing to fight and there's no real role-playing it's just you make a it's role playing r-o-l-l playing because that's kind of the way war games work it's nothing against war games i've war game plenty myself but no big numbers like that just don't work especially if you end up with two people in that number that each wants to be the star of their own novel, and they're trying to be that, so we'll be at heads. So for those crazy numbers, it's a big fat no, don't do that. All right, I have talked on long enough. I am not going to do a random made-up question this episode because I had some call-ins that, were, that offered some long rants. So you know the drill. Here's the end credits. Thank you for listening. And thanks for listening. Please visit the blog at amightbegazebos.blog. That's blog, And the letter B not B spelled out. Or visit us on Facebook and just search for Be Gazebos. Ask us questions and you might get an answer. If not, we'll just make up the questions and the answers. Remember, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have fun intro music is metal mania by kevin mccloud licensed under creative commons 3.0 attribution license please visit his website at incompetech.com that's incompetech.com really visit it there's also downloadable graph paper and hex paper additional sound effects from freesound.org used under creative commons 1.0 universal license